Merritt Healthcare Advisors is an investment bank with a unique focus on healthcare providers and their businesses. Transaction Healthcare is a podcast focused on addressing questions and concerns at the intersection of healthcare, transactions, and business. I'm Zach Eisenberg, Vice President at Merritt Healthcare Advisors. In this episode, Matt Searles and Jay Persansky of Merritt continue their conversation with Jay Taylor's Julie Lapata and Herd Metcalf on practice valuations, multiples, and overall macro trends. They discuss how physician practices can evaluate their opportunities to grow and improve their position in the market. Let's continue the conversation. Consolidation is so compelling, right? There's a lot of reasons why healthcare M&A has no beta to the last few recessions and to uh, interest rates and to swings in the stock market, right? So in our kind of working lifetimes, 2001, 07, 09, 2020, you do not see beta between those. Uh, and I think from our point of view, it has to do with how compelling the consolidation players are. And again, at a very macroeconomic level, all that fragmentation is just expensive to the system. And in a system where you have such a high degree of cost relative to GDP, there's bipartisan pressure to to push that down. I'm just kind of curious your thoughts on that on that high level relationship between you know consolidation and, and a lack of any kind of correlation to you know market swings. Yeah, I mean, you've really seen, um, you know, really since since 2009, and then really the Affordable Care Act when it was passed, um, just kind of this trend of M and A, um, and it really hasn't slowed down since then. So now we're you know 12 years into it, and it's just been building um, ever since. And you've seen, you know, I've been I've been doing this at some form or another since you know the the late 90s, early 2000s, um, and I've been amazed over the last 12, 13 years. You know the the entrance of private equity into healthcare services, um, and and just the the deals that we're talking about, and I think you know for, from my standpoint um, is is all the structural pressures, whether it's regulatory or economic, they're pushing towards consolidation because you do have um, you know a, a highly fragmented industry um, that has a lot of fixed costs. Um, and and you see that fixed cost repeated over and over again. Well, if you if you have that, um, then then you know you're going to have players that try to figure out well how can I combine people and eliminate those fixed costs. Um, and then also uh, from a regulatory standpoint, whether it's value based care, whether it's um, just some of the the uh, on the hospital side, you have hospital consolidation. We hadn't really talked about that. So you just have this environment where everything's kind of pushing towards, you know, towards that consolidation with the hope of, um, from an economic standpoint, you know, eliminating a lot of that fixed costs and, and creating um, efficiencies there. Um, and then from a patient care standpoint, uh, you have the entrance, whether it's a, you know, EMR um, systems that now talk to the hospital systems, um, the, the, the way you manage this um, is, is you, you need to have lots of data all in one place in order to to hopefully develop either care pathways or you know develop patient um, you know a patient experience that that will eliminate a lot of those inefficiencies and so again it's just whether it's from a patient care standpoint a reimbursement standpoint we didn't talk about or we've mentioned um, leverage with payers or just a a cost containment standpoint um, a lot of pressures you know are there for consolidation and I think that's why we've seen what we've seen over the last twelve years. Um, and, and even with, you know, 22's kind of gotten off to an interesting start from a, a stock market standpoint and the potential tightening of money, 
um, that you know that that will be there, but I still see the same pressures continuing uh, at least through this year and, and and onward. So it'll be interesting to see how it all shakes out. Yeah, yeah, no, certainly, and you know e- even things like single payer moving towards that type of system hasn't really, you know, if you look at California for instance, if you drive through the Central Valley and you see signs, they they actually advertise how much Medicaid is there, and it's like. You know, for Kern County, forty-nine. Just Fresno, uh, fifty-two. Add Medicare to that. They're 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 not inches away, but they're a heck of a lot closer to a single payer than than one might think. Um, and it still hasn't really stopped the consolidation wave. But but just to turn that like to a microeconomic kind of point of view, from your from your view, what should docs be thinking about? Like we know from a high level why they need to consolidate. You know, what, what should they be thinking about as they get out there and look at partners? Because you get a great exposure to both buy and sell side and uh, at a very, very uh, you know, uh, deep level. So we're just curious your thoughts on that. Yeah, I think it's a it's a combination of qualitative and quantitative factors, right? So the, the price has to be right. Your idea of how the comp structure is going to work post-transaction obviously has to be right. But I think the more important side of choosing a partner are the qualitative aspects in terms of is rollover equity going to be involved? How, how, um, how much are you going to participate in the management of the practice going forward? What's the expected um, timeline of involvement? So we've seen a couple of transactions recently where the providers are planning to retire in two to three years. So really, they're, um, they're selling now so that they can spend the next two to three years um, onboarding new physicians to take their place and kind of keep that structure going and are planning to, to planning to walk after that versus um, we've seen a lot of new um, platforms being started with, you know, fresh young providers that um, are planning to be there for the long haul and are just um, really not ready to take on the full management of the practice and really want to spend their time doing what they do best and uh, whatever their specialty is. And so they don't want to be as involved with, with the management of the practice. So I think getting into alignment of that, like length of, length of time of involvement and, and the level of management decision-making, um, some of the things that we see might be, you know, points that might be of issue are if it's an established practice, you've got doctors that have been running the show, um, for, you know, quite a few years and then, um, they might have a hard time letting go of that. So that's always an important factor that needs to be considered and, um, and just in general, the, the overall culture, whether or not they're going to keep all of the administrative staff and, you know, staffing is such an important part and, you know, they might have people that have been working for them for 20 or 30 years, um, that might be integral to them saying yes or no to a transaction. It's only if I can keep my accountant or only if I can keep my front desk clerk that has been there for 20 years. Um, so there's a lot of that that you're dealing with on top of, you know, negotiating financial terms. Yeah. And I think from my perspective, you know, I think the, the number one thing, if I'm a physician, physician group looking for, you know, potential partner and looking to, to, you know, go this direction is just know, know who you're getting, you know, doing business with. Um, and, and what is your, are, are you aligned on goals? So what are your goals and what's, what is the uh, potential you know, buyer's goals? And is there alignment there? Um, and, and so I think that's probably number one is understanding that. And then from there, you know, once you sort of understand the goals, then it's, you know, what's their track record in this space? You, you know, we, we do see a lot of activity in this space. We see a lot of people getting into this space. Um, as, as we have kind of mentioned on this call, 
Um, healthcare is it, it covered, you know, it encompasses a lot. It, it can be specialty specific, but it's also um, you know services versus um, life sciences versus other places. It's, it's a huge space. Um, and do you have people who understand your area, um, or are they just in because they you know this is a hot thing and they they're you know in the manufacturing business, but now they want to have a healthcare arm of their their you know PE shop that's opening up. Is that really going to be the right partner, or is it you know firms such as yourself that have an expertise in this area um, and, and really understand uh, you know what what all the nuances are at all the various levels, whether it's physician services, et cetera. Um, so I think that's really number you know one and two is understanding the goals and then this understanding you know who you're going to be you know doing business with because you're going to have to live with these people for a while um, and, and you want to make sure that that's going to be a, a win-win for both parties. Yeah, certainly. And then investment timeline on top of that, um, private equity could have a wide range of investment timelines, whether they want to buy um, and and flip that in two to three years or flip it in five or seven or a buy and hold for seven to 10. So there's a lot of different investment strategies there and understanding what their plans are for the future, you know, five and 10 years down the road is also important. Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, whether it's a PE buyer or an optum who's not going to have a, there's not going to be a second bite or a hospital buyer, uh, you know, there's very different outcomes there. Yeah, that's, that's a part of, you know, part of the goal alignment and, and it's, it's what, what are you looking for? And that may drive, you know, the type of buyer that you're interested in because a, a hospital buyer looks different um, than, than a PE buyer. I mean, then even in the PE space, you know, that looks different depending on who it is. And then you mentioned, you know, optum. Um, you know, they there's different models out there that that all look a little bit differently. So it's it's really what do, what do you want? Um, and and money's important, but at the end of the day, it's it's not all about the money. It's about you know what you're trying to do as a a, a provider, um, and and what does patient care look like, um, and and then what is you know what does your lifestyle look like, and and again, what are those goals that you're trying to accomplish? Yeah, those are great points. Uh, you know, a lot of this was geared towards partnering with private equity who clearly paid the highest multiples and highest value. But how should doctors and how do hospital acquirers look at value of a practice? Do they look at it the same way? Yeah, I was going to say, no, I wouldn't say that they look at it necessarily the same way. So from a strategic initiative perspective, the reasons why a hospital would acquire a practice are different than PE, right? So PE is trying to buy, optimize, and sell. Um, that's kind of the, the footprint there. A hospital's initiative is to expand their platform, expand upon the service offerings that they have, and, and have that integration and coordination of care. So there's different motivations behind that. And due to regulatory, regulatory reasons, there are limits to what a hospital can pay as opposed to private equity. And so, Hurt, I'll flip that over to you because I think you have a great um, explanation for how that works. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's back to um, a, a hospital or a hospital system and you have a health group affiliated with them. Um, you know, that that could be a part of a much larger strategy and what they're trying to the, the, what they're trying to do and what they're trying to accomplish. Um, I think some of the the things with um, you know, with the way they value practices, you know, a hospital is obviously going to follow Stark and any kickback um, restrictions around fair market value. Um, and they may not give much, you know, intangible value, but they may, you know, not require a change in compensation either. So you may earn the same amount, but you're going to get, you know, maybe some asset value for hard assets, but there may not be 
that that you know intangible piece um, with with a, a lot of hospitals. Um, and so you know, I think it's is again back to what their goals are versus what a PE buyer's goal is. They're they're different. Um, and so as a seller, it's it's which you know what are you trying to accomplish and and where do you want to go? And it may be that the hospital is the right place for your group because you want to keep practicing for another you know seven to ten years, and you don't really want to. Um, you know, you don't want to um, have to change the way your practice is structured very much, or you may, you know, you may just kind of want want to um, to look at that. Versus, I'm really interested in um, you know making this thing as efficient as possible. I'm looking at you know retiring in a few years, and, and I want to you know get get in and then get out, um, and then really want to see this you know kind of go to another place with a PE buyer. Uh, it, it's just going to look differently depending on what your goals and what you're trying to accomplish. Yeah, indeed. indeed. Yeah, I think it's a nuance that you know. You certainly, in our world, it's we hear about it all the time. But for for you know a, a physician and who is um, who's you know their their main concern is caring for patients um, and running their practice. Um, when they start having you know these types of people calling them, um, I think it really helps to slow down and and uh, you know understand what what is being offered and and what you know what the cost benefit of everything is and and ultimately. Like any economic transaction, there's a cost benefit, um, and and everyone has to kind of make the right decision for themselves in terms of where you know what benefits are they looking for and what are they willing to to give up for it, um, and, and and that's true for all parties involved. All right, Chad, you have any questions? No, but uh, he brought up a great point, which is why you know whether it's us or some other advisors, you know, it really takes a team when you have your own a physician who's built a practice over many many years. It's a very serious decision how they're going to look at their future. So I think uh, people like Julie and Heard that can really look at the mechanics and the financials and can help advocate for them are very important to tear apart the pieces, to look at their value for advisors like us who see lots of potential buyers and the differences and how much they'll pay and kind of the softer parts and how they'll be treated after you know a deal you know, the, the team becomes important. Yeah, I think one of the things that's important about understanding the team dynamic is that we're all experts in our various pieces. So our goal coming out of a sell-side diligence is to really make sure that the investment banker or the person taking the company to market has the financial information that they can trust and that they're presenting credible information to potential investors. So we're going in, we're getting two to three years worth of um, financial information. We're getting billing data from the practice management system, um, analyzing revenue, doing a cash to accrual adjustment, um, tying out expenses, looking at payroll expenses, making sure that you know the books look clean, that they are you know not audited. We're not doing an audit by any means, but it kind of feels like it in the moment with the amount of information we request. And so that can be an overwhelming process um, for the providers at the onset. But it's really with the goal of we're we're trying to understand everything that contributes to the earning stream and look for opportunities for improvement and opportunities that um, could, you know, maximize deal value. So the goal is that we do all of this work on the on the forefront and provide that information to the investment banker who is then able to take it and work with potential investors and um, expedite 
the the transaction because there's not red flags later in the process post LOI when it's not the best time to be identifying an issue in in the financials for sure. Uh, yes, we agree with that. <laughs> yeah, nobody right. likes surprises in this line of work, for sure. <laughs> no, for sure, for sure. So, Julian Herder, any questions you have for Jay, or, Jay and I? Yeah, I, I'm curious just you know, as, at what you're seeing out in the marketplace and, and, and you know, the people you talk to, um, you know, you know, from we, as you can see, we, we can go nerdy really quick and go really deep, really, you know, and really uh, almost too deep sometimes. Um, I had someone tell me once a long, long time ago, I, I, as a CFO of a hospital who um, asked me something and, and wanted, you know, kind of a yes or no answer, but I was in all the detail and knew all the caveats. And by the end of my explanation, he said to her, that's too much answer. Is it a yes or a no? <laughs> um, and, and so, you know, I, there's always a happy balance there, um, but from from you know arming you with data and information, just w- what is useful for you and useful for your clients, and just what are you seeing out and as your you know what's the general pulse right now? Yeah, you know, as a firm and merit that it focuses exclusively on healthcare services, you know, a lot, a lot of that comes from the fact that there is so much activity there. It's very competitive. And we put ourselves, you know, chance favors a prepared mind, I hope, either that or better lucky than good, <laughs> but we're in a good spot. Um, and so it continues, it just continues to be, you know, really strong market. And, you know, you mentioned before about surprises. I mean, we are out there, you know, mostly sell side, some buy side. We're really trying to push the envelope for our clients, but we need to do so credibly. And since no one really likes to believe numbers that come from an investment banker, you know, or a private equity firm for that matter, there's you, there's these intermediaries like you that make our, our job doable. And so it's just, it's critically important for us to have that because if we run into, uh, we're pushing not only on financials, but a million other different terms, employment agreements, purchase and sale agreements, indemnities, non-competes to get caught really flat footed because we're not, a, we're not a firm of accountants is, sure. is a killer. Yeah. And so we just can't let it happen. Um, so Jay, anything to, to add to that? You know, <clears throat> probably within our firm and being being the doc, I saw the the least value from having a quality of earnings for the prospective <laughs> seller. Good. But after doing this for a while and seeing how a lot of times the buyers will use qu- their quality of earnings as a meat cleaver to try to negotiate downward for the buyers. Mm-hmm. I saw the need for having our own quality of earnings on a really deep level, not only to justify the earnings of the practice, but help to find pro forma earnings mm-hmm. and a way to add value to the practice. And I think, uh, you know, that's been, you know, exponentially successful. And so I think a working relationship with a bank like us and advisors to physicians and having resources like a good quality of earnings firm, as your firm is, is really the ticket. It becomes a win-win. Yeah, that's absolutely. good to hear. Um, and 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 I know you know sometimes people don't like paying for the advice. And, and yeah, yeah, from the the doctor standpoint, if you're an owner, like I got to pay, got to pay these people to come. You know, do what are they doing again? Mm-hmm. Um, but I certainly, you know, back to um, the sophistication of the buyers in the marketplace. Um, they are certainly bringing their best advice and, and certainly, you know, getting the best professionals they can for, for their, their work. 
Um, and so I think it's only, you know, it's good for the sellers to, to you know, you want to bring some sophistication and bring the same level. Um, so you're negotiating on a, you know, even playing field, so to speak. And, and I, I like to think that, you know, a lot of the work that we do, because we do buy side, we do sell side, we, we, we see all sides of it. We're able to bring, um, you know, that perspective and, and hopefully for people, especially when they need it for doing a transaction that's, you know, a significant transaction, um, you know, even the playing field a little bit. So we, we got good advice on all the sides. And, and I find that generally makes all negotiations better um, when the other side knows that the you know that the the side is you know, the seller is also getting good sound advice that makes things go smoother as well because they they're a little more trusting of what's coming out because they they know it's not just people reacting emotionally or just saying things that that maybe um, you know aren't backed up so I, I find it it's it's better for all involved to have um, good advice you know, from all parties. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And on that note, we really appreciate you guys coming on. And uh, we will uh, continue to uh, push forward with you in the future. Wonderful. Thanks so much for having us. This was fun. Thank you. you. And that wraps up another episode of Transaction Healthcare. Hit the subscribe button to get notified when we release new episodes. And if you're someone interested in learning more about these topics, visit us at meritadvisory.com or send us an email at contactus at meritadvisory.com.